Hey everybody, Francesca here reminding you that I will be in Sacramento at the SAC Punchline on Sunday, March 17th at 7 p.m. with none other than Matt Lieb. That's right, we are co-headlining. It'll be super fun. It is St. Patrick's Day, so I guess we're all drinking, maybe? Anyway, get your tickets. There should be a link in this description, and I hope to see you there. It's illegal to separate a puppy from its mother before eight weeks of age. But one in four women in this country return to work within two weeks of giving birth. Not by choice, by necessity. Well, hello there. What's going on, Frantifa? Welcome to another episode of the Bituation Room podcast live stream here in your ear holes, on the YouTubes, in on Twitch, inside of Twitch. Uh, I am your host, Francesca Fiorentini, streaming from my two-star White Lotus vacation here in Hawaii. Yes, I know, we're not supposed to go here, but I waited, and then we got tested, and everything's fine, and it's my stepdad's 82nd birthday, so I had to show up, had to be here. I was forced to go on vacation, and I am forcing myself to work on that vacation, but I'm so glad that I am doing so because we've got such a good show today. Um, Aaron Ryan here of uh, is here of the Hysteria podcast. Also, Simona Grace, the founder of Moms in Office, is here. We're going to talk all about what it is to raise a family in late stage hypercapitalism in the United States, uh, how we can actually support parents, support moms, dads, everything else in between, support kids, uh, and why also the Build Back Better Act is pivotal in the quest for supporting parents and also the larger goal of economic justice, uh, which is really what supporting parents is all about. Um, that being said, I am on my period, proudly. So, not going to happen. I'm a cat mom. She is away. I am away from her. She's being fed heartily. Don't you worry. I'm spared no expense, as I have to say every single time I'm here. Um, if you're here, oh my God, like the stream right now. Share it right now with all your homies. Um, if you're listening as a podcast, you know what? Give this podcast five stars. That helps so much. It helps people discover the show. Uh, you know that this show is not brought to you uh, by any, you know, uh, like seaweed based makeup made in the basement of some hippie. Like it is, I wish it was. Like eventually, like if you make that stuff, give me some and also sponsor this show. No, this show is sponsored by you and you alone, all the Frantifa listening, and you can sponsor it by going to patreon.com slash room. Thank you to everyone who's become a patron. Thank you to everyone who's thinking about becoming a patron. Thank you to everyone who was a patron and can't be a patron anymore. I get it, times are tough, but guess what? $2 a month, $5 a month, $10 a month gets you a shout out. But even, no matter what, you get access to our bonus bish, which every single week we do, you will hear that. That's an extra 15 minutes of story, story time for you. Also, you get discounts on merch, okay? Everyone gets 20% off of your Frantifa swag, including the Frantifa logo shirt, which I love, my fave. Uh, and you can get your merch, uh, bituationroom.com. Make sure to be dripping 
in this merchandise. Um, we got stickers. We got totes. It's great. Please send me photos of you in it. Um, anyway, uh, you can also, if you don't, Fs with the Patreon, TBR-Live on Venmo, TBR-Live on Cash App. Everything helps. You help. You being here helps. I hope you're good. I hope you're happy. I saw a sea turtle recently. No big deal. Uh, and with that, let's get into everything that's been going on this week. Let's get into the show. We start off the show with, of course, the same question. What are you bitching about? I decided to subject myself to the Dave Chappelle stand-up special on Netflix. And, uh, you know, this is his, I don't know, 18th special, six out of however many, five. I don't know how many there have been. I've, I have watched them all and then quickly tried to forget that I just watched uh, them all and then go back and, you know, watch an early Dave Chappelle special and cleanse my palate and sort of say another prayer because the goat that I once knew uh, has fallen off. And I got to say, I really wanted to avoid talking about this. The online discourse, as it were, is never good. It's never healthy. And especially about Chappelle and especially about this special, it's endless. And yet I also feel like it is messed up to only wait for um, let's say trans people or black people to be the only ones talking about the special or like waiting to say, well, I shouldn't have an opinion because if it's okay with this community, this monolithic community, then it must be okay. And that's part of my critique of the special generally. Um, for someone who is so upset that there are, you know, racial hierarchies and white supremacist hierarchies, um, he sure does a great job at reinforcing gender and sexual construct hierarchies. Like, so it's that and it's a lot of other things. And I want to, you know, briefly talk about it. But mostly, you guys know when you like a, first of all, if I were a big name comic, I wouldn't be talking about this. You guys have to know that, right? Because every comic you like, every other comic you watch, their Netflix special, they're not going to say shit about Chappelle because they work with Chappelle. They like him. They want him to like the, the him to like them, right? That's the point. That's so, you know, comics for as, you know, as much as we are lauded, we're the truth teller. You can't cancel me. The one person that we can never say anything against is our fellow coworkers, our people who we are desperate to either get a, a work opportunity off of them, um, to, to shoot the shit with them in the green room, to be cool, to be down, to never criticize one another. Uh, and you see that a lot. And so if you're waiting for kind of your big name comics to come out and say something about it, they won't. They won't. Um, because that's, that's someone that they're trying to rely on. Look, we don't have HR in this industry. It sucks. We have only... Um, sort of weird fawning goodwill and and like sycophantry to go on. And that's sadly, a lot of entertainment industries are like that. But it is a sad special because you kind of, you're just like, it's an hour and change and you're like, this is a therapy special for you. This is just you working out your own issues understanding what it is or not what it is to be trans like I, like you this is like this should be whispered under you know in your little blanket fort this is not and yet because he's a megastar 
he can sort of openly wax about it and not be accountable for the things that he says, right? And he gets laughs. And of course, um, a great comic friend of mine, Curtis Cook, said, it's funny that Dave Chappelle like ran away from from his $50 million Chappelle show to to Africa only to become the person that he was running away from that whole time. The reason I say it's sad is because, again, he openly says he's transphobic. He openly um, basically is like, you know, I'm tied to the gender construct. And it's so boomer. It's like, oh, man, here's this dude who at once one point in his life was so open minded and he's just old. This is an old, stale take. And the jokes, some of them are funny. Even the fucked up ones are funny. But a lot of them are bad. A lot of them don't even hit good, right? So there's that. And then I'm I'm, I'm meandering here. But the one thing I will say is that you can't say that he's just a comic. Ah, he's just a comic. These are jokes. They're not jokes because he really is. You can see him. He's really trying to figure this out. He's like... He, he wants to, quote unquote, solve the issues, right? He has issues with the trans community. He has issues with the LGBTQ community. He has issues with the people who've confronted him in private. And he, he wants to solve it. And his solution, I mean, it feels like his solution is saying, like, uh, well, we can only do one oppression at a time. We can only fix one oppression at a time. It's very, very, very two-dimensional. But but what it's, I'd say is you can't say that it's not com that that it's just comedy because it's not. He's really trying to fix it, and and that's where I'm like, dude, do you not have like a black queer feminist in your life or like a black trans queer feminist? In your, like have meet more like black lesbian comics, you know, black lesbian feminist comics. Like I know some who've literally opened for you, but instead he talks about the trans woman who opened for him, who then later took her life. And he talks about her and this is his, his closer, his closer of the closer. And I got to say, I was really disgusted by that story because he basically openly says it, it is like someone saying, look, this black person laughed at my racist joke, ergo, I'm not racist. And that's what sort of Chappelle is saying. He had a trans woman laugh at every single one of his jokes, was a fan, went to every single one of his shows, found out she was a comic, but not really a comic. She'd done eight shows in her life. So not really a comic, just a big fan of his. Just a big, big fan. Again, part of a Chappelle almost cult. Had him, had her open for him did 45 minutes and bombed the entire time. Of course, a comic who's done eight shows is going to bomb for 45 minutes, then goes on and takes her own life later. And he blames essentially the online discourse, the other trans people, for the reason that this trans person took her life. I mean, it's just like, it is insane. It's, you trotted someone out, used them as a prop, said to her, you should open for me every time I come to San Francisco almost as a prop and basically to make him look good because here was one trans person who didn't have a problem with him the bad faithness and the the disgusting uh tokenism that that is is i find uh truly crass and cynical um and he says she's part of his tribe. She's not even a comic. I don't even know what tribe you're talking about, bro. 
Anyway, if you want to hear uh, a straight cis man talk about the LGBTQ community uh, for an hour and a half, definitely watch the Chappelle special. Um, other than that, man, RIP to a real one, to a guy who used to be great and who somehow, uh, instead of working the shit out in therapy or accepting trans people, accepting the fact that he'll never understand what it's like to be trans, has decided to make millions and millions of dollars off of uh making them the butt of every single joke of his. So it's sad to me. It's just sad. It's just sad. He's still a good performer. He's an okay writer, but it's just sad. Um, yeah, I have more to say, but you know, go watch it or don't or skip it. It's fine. We're on vacation, you guys. I saw a sea turtle. Uh, let me bring in my guest for the hour. Super happy to have her back on the show. She's been on the show. You know her as the host of the Hysteria podcast. Also, she's the author of a new blog all about motherhood, pregnancy, and it's called Just Enjoy It While You Can. And that's because she's super preggers and about to give birth. Please welcome Erin Ryan. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. Erin, thank you for being here. I, was, um, I wasn't sure you were going to make the stream. I was like, this podcast has been thwarted by birth before. Uh, yeah. Um, you know, you were like, are you sure you're not going to be literally in labor? And I, yeah, my prediction came true. I'm not. I'm good. I'm doing <laughs> Halloween. So it would be early if it, if it came today. Um, so, so we're good. We just got to make it through the next like couple hours without me spontaneously going into labor and everything will have gone off without a hitch. Are you like a little concerned? This is like some Rosemary's baby, like Hollow's Eve, Hail Satan <sighs> shit. Yes, I am, Francesca. I'm gonna be totally <laughs> honest. Um, for a few reasons. First of all, being due on Halloween. I love Halloween. I think Halloween is just a really fun holiday and I, I really enjoy celebrating it every year. But Halloween is a really bad day to be in a hospital um, because everyone <laughs> acts like an idiot. It's like New Year's Eve. It's like being in a hospital on New Year's Eve. Like if you totally. have a, a surgery scheduled for New Year's Eve, it's like, oh, so we're not like nothing is scheduled. We're just waiting for this to happen spontaneously. But there's a part of me that's like, gosh, I hope it happens October 30th or like November 1st, instead of the day that people acting like jackasses, like are in the ER, you know, dressed up like Jack Skellington or whatever. Yeah, um, yeah, and yeah. also, oh, yeah, no, like, this guy got a Butterfinger lodged in his asshole. Sorry, you're going to have to wait. Like, what? Is it the big right. size or the fun size? It's a few fun sizes. Um, right, right, exactly. <laughs> like, I don't want to compete with with like the Butterfinger asshole people for <laughs> attention from medical professionals, um, which, you know, I think labor and delivery is pretty well, like, cordoned off from the emergency room. But, sure. you know, I just would, I'd like to avoid hospitals on big party days in yes. general. Well, it's good so. that you're in uh, an area where, like, the COVID cases aren't that crazy because I know that maternity mm -hmm. wards are shutting down because of COVID cases, which sucks. Um, mm -hmm. Get vaccinated. But anyway, what are you bitching about today, Erin? Is that it? How or or yeah. Um, look, there's a lot to bitch about when it comes to pregnancy, but I'm going to bitch about COVID. And so that was like a, a really brilliant, <laughs> unintentional segue into what I was going to bitch about. I'm going to bitch about COVID public health messaging. Ooh. And my main problem with it right now is that the vaccination campaign is too nice 
and it needs to be grosser. So right now, think of the people who have been vaccinated. The people who have been vaccinated are people that think about other people, mm. you know, think about their friends and neighbors. They think about, you know, doing what is best for society to go on to some form of hopefully new normalcy because yeah. the old normalcy got us into the situation we were in before. You know, so everybody who thinks in terms of their role as part of a society has already gotten the shot, unless there's some kind of health issue. But there's a very small, small percentage of people that actually have a health issue that would right. prevent them from being able to get the shot. Right now, the people that are left that are vaccine hesitant are vaccine hesitant because they don't see that it's a big enough deal for them personally to get the jab. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I get that the Biden administration has been like, get it or like you'll have to be tested or you're going to get in trouble at your job. But what I think needs to happen is I think we need to have like a faces of meth style billboard about what having COVID looks like. Yes. Because like because I have been I love Reddit. I like to lurk on Reddit. Uh, the Herman Cain Award subreddit seems like catharsis for a certain type of person, but I don't know how convincing it is. Um, what's going to find the Herman Cain, like subreddit, re like that's just, you know, the people exactly. who are already there are vaccinated. Exactly. Exactly. And like, I think people that are unvaccinated, proudly unvaccinated at this point, kind of don't really care what everyone else thinks about them and, sure. and find it to be a badge of honor if they, you know, are not vaccinated and, and liberals hate them or whatever. Right. Um, but what I have found is this nursing subreddit where nurses swap stories about like what COVID looks like. And I know mm. that one of the common refrains you hear from people who won't get vaccinated is that there's only like a 2% fatality rate. But what we don't really talk about publicly is what happens if you survive COVID? What does that look like? What does it look like to be intubated? You know, what does that what does that mean? Should yeah. can, can we show that? Like, what does it look like to go home and not be able to, like, walk upstairs without getting winded when mm -hmm. before you were a perfectly healthy person in their 30s? What does that look like? I want to hear from someone that's dealing with long COVID. What does brain fog look like? How about the fact that COVID can break your dick? It increases yes. the likelihood that you will experience erectile dysfunction by like sixfold. COVID also, because it's a vascular disease, can impact a uh, person with a uterus's ability to become pregnant. A clotting disorder makes it really hard to get pregnant. And COVID can give you clotting disorders. Put that shit on billboards. Yes. I don't need to hear any more Joe Biden going out and saying, do it, you know, appealing to better angels do it for your community. The people who were going to do it for the community have already done it. Yep. We need to appeal to people's selfishness and fear and disgust about the idea of having tubes shoved in every hole in their body. Yes. Um, you just need a dude. Help. Yeah. You need a dude looking down in his pants, like a stock shutterstock image going, my dick broke. You know, like that's exactly. my dick broke. Exactly. Coffee tastes like mud. Like, that's it. My dick broke. Coffee tastes like mud. Done. It's like, you everything know, smells like garbage. That's everything thing smells that like garbage. Shit. It's yeah, it's very it's very like we're into the drunk driving phase and the sort of, you know, like, where's Nancy Reagan? You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. uh, like, she needs to get on this, um, except for good this time. So <laughs> <laughs> we need an anti Nancy. Like, who is the opposite Nancy? Yo, what's Jill up to? You feel like Jill's pulling her weight? Could she? I would like to see more Jill. I think I think that Jill 
is somebody who people tend to like to see, right? Like she's, she's kind of like, she's like vanilla ice cream. Like everyone's like, okay, I'll have some <laughs> we'll take some Jill. <laughs> Janilla ice cream. Janilla. We need Janilla everywhere telling us, you know, I'm a teacher. The things I've seen. Um, I like that. I agree with you. It's not, a, you know, I thought it was going to be photos of people partying and like doing orgies or whatever. Be like, yay, we can go out and do this. But the unvaccinated are already doing that because they don't mm-hmm. really care about not spreading the virus. Um very good one. And related to our first story. So let's get into it. A lot happened this week, you guys. Um, this was the week uh, where President Biden declared the holiday formerly known as Columbus Day Indigenous Peoples Day in the same week that police arrested many indigenous climate justice organizers outside of the White House in a move that like even a white girl in a headdress at Coachella hanging a dream catcher from her yurt knows is wrong. Okay, like every Braves fan in the middle of doing the tomahawk chop right now is like, oh, that's cold, bro. (laughs) Like we all get that. Uh, Kyrie Irving, player with the Brooklyn Nets and notorious flat earther, is refusing to get a mandatory COVID-19 vaccine. He said people should, quote, use logic, logic like how can the earth be round if it doesn't roll or how can the vaccine save lives if it's not certified in CPR? You know, logic. Uh, Donald Trump is threatening the Republican Party, saying that so long as the supposed 2020 election fraud is allowed to stand, Republican voters shouldn't vote. And the man has a point. Yes, boycott the elections. Ah, I love season finale of the GOP. It's going to be fire. And by fire, I mean we might all burn with it. Um, Workers are striking. 1,400 Kellogg workers walked off the job this week saying that after a loss of health care, vacation pay, and retirement benefits, they just snap, crackle, popped. Um, 10,000 John Deere workers are on strike, which the company has responded to by hiring scabs or temporary workers, which led to one of their tractors being crashed inside of the plant. Uh, lol. And IATSE, the union repping film and television crews, voted to accept a last-minute deal halting a strike, which includes a 3% raise and five extra days of vacation if working on set with Christian Bale. (laughs) Finally, Gabby Petito was strangled, murderer Robert Durst has COVID, and Bill Clinton was hospitalized, but is out. So, loss, win, draw. For everything else, this is the week where... So this was the week where we finally have a safe space for anti-vaxxers to seek work since they have been ostracized from their jobs that want to force them into not killing other people uh, with a highly contagious virus that has claimed 600,000 lives. They need their own site. They need like it's like, you know, monster what is it? monster.com but like for actual monsters. Uh it's called <laughs> Red Balloon and uh it's Kind of like Green Book, but for people who aren't oppressed. Um, let's take a look at how Fox News put this new site. Fox says, tired of woke politics, COVID vaccine mandates? There's a new job site for you. A police officer who doesn't want to get the COVID-19 vaccine. A school teacher who doesn't want to teach critical race theory. What does that have to do with COVID? Okay, never mind. A a corporate executive who doesn't agree with pushing woke culture. These are descriptions of workers who have reached out to Red Balloon, a new job board offering postings from companies promising their employees will be, quote, free to work without the fear of losing their jobs due to medical dictates or political drama. 
Oh, amazing. Um, so you need to know about more about Red Balloon. So Red Balloon started in July as a local job board in Moscow, Idaho by Andrew Krapuchets. I'm not even making this up. The first name, <laughs> Andrew, last name, Krapuchets or Krapuchets or Krapuchier or Krapuchet. How do we, how do we actually pronounce that? I just saw it as crapshoot. And I think... <laughs> I, I'm going to let my brain continue to misread it that way because I know looking at the letters, that's not how it's pronounced, but it feels like it should be. It is crapshoot. It's just, Andrew, eh, what do you got to lose? You might die. <laughs> um, we, need a, we need to complete our understanding of Red Balloon in the job site uh, and our, an, our understanding of Mr. Crapshoot. Here he is. Uh, look at that. Was the company named after his head? <laughs> no, but it re does remind me of like 99 Fred Balloon. Da -da 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 -da. Yeah. That's what's I going in my head. I'm an anti vaxxer dead. Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Here's the thing like, I think of, I love the color red. I'm sporting a red lip red sweater. This is the only thing that fits around my giant balloon-shaped body at this point. You're wearing red. Red's a great color. Just say it. It's your um, boobs. Just say that your boobs are huge. Uh, not not compared to this this <laughs> baby house that is my thorax. Um, but I was going to say, I think when I hear red balloon, mm. to me it signifies like warning, danger, uh, disease, like if something is infected, it becomes reddened and swollen, much like a red balloon. Like, I just, I don't know. I don't know if any branding experts worked on this because red, red balloon doesn't sound, it doesn't quite You're telling me this doesn't look like a branding expert face <laughs> right there. Um, okay. So we have no. to hear more. <laughs> we have to hear more from Mr. Crapshoot. Um, Let's hear him in his own words. Here is, here is the, uh, the, 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 the ad they put out, actually fairly well produced for Red Balloon. Again, the anti-vax job site. Red Balloon, the nation's first and only free speech job site. I'm Andrew, the founder and CEO, and I'm excited you're here. I called this service Red Balloon because balloons help you fly, especially if you tie a ton of them to a lawn chair. A Wait, what? What? Excuse me, what? Um, okay. See, Aaron, you didn't think about that, dude. Like, you no. were like, how did he get the name? It's because you can fly when you tie a bunch of them to a lawn chair. Right. And as you fly, as you fly through the air, you will look like a, like, blood emanating from an underwater wound or something. Yeah. I, I don't, I don't you, know. You're not coming back down, but you're, oh my God, you're going places. Like you'll get the job, but you never, it's the last job you'll have. <laughs> right. It's like one of those, you know, that old, that saying that used to go on like posters that people didn't really think through. That's like, shoot for the moon. Even if you miss, you land among the stars. It's like, no, you will be flying through open space forever. <laughs> Like Major Tom. So Red Your Balloon insides like will be on the outside like as they inflate. And yeah, light the beginning will shine of a through plan. every pore. It's the beginning of a plan um, <laughs> it, that should not ever get off the ground, pun intended. Um, because 
this is not a great idea. I mean, it's like, hang on. It hang reminds on. me uh-huh. of like hot zones, like a hot spot. Like when, when the Ebola outbreak was happening in West Africa about eight years ago, I, you know, like that would be represented by red on a map. I, I don't, I, I'm just really, I'm hung up. I feel like I'm, I'm hung I'm up a on the shark, color. shark tank being like, don't. It's a no for me, dog, you know? First of all, uh, Mr. Crapshoot, is it? Uh, Crapouche. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Why red, dog? Well, because when you tie balloons, yeah, but the balloons could be any color. Yeah. (laughs) Let's Let's keep watching. A little bit dangerous, a lot bit fun, kind of like looking for a new job. And red, well, tote balloon just sounds like stupid. Keep moving. The mission. See, he just answered your fucking question, Aaron. He said, why a red balloon? Because a taupe balloon. You know all the taupe right. balloons out there? You know how clowns always choose the color taupe? Okay, I'm, mm-hmm. I can't. Keep going. Should have red a beautiful rainbow across the sky. Who still love freedom and want employees who love freedom to the millions of Americans now searching for jobs today where they won't have to look over their shoulders and constantly be worried about being canceled. There are over 10... Okay, so... I I wonder if you saw that. Okay, so this is Kamala Harris, Vice President Kamala Harris and Joe Biden in the red balloons, looking over your shoulder, waiting to cancel you. They look really friendly. Those are great photos of both Joe and Kamala, to be honest. Like winning smiles on both. And honestly, if I had to have somebody looking over my shoulder at work, I would want it to be someone who looked nice and approachable. Like (laughs) balloon Joe and the balloon vice president. Yeah. I feel like these two would probably do a better job. Like they would have, they would have gotten the build back better act sign at this point if they were just balloons. Yes. And they also would like be like, I feel like they, if they, if I was doing something that was not conducive to a great professional and productive work environment, they would find a way to bring it up with me that would feel constructive. <laughs> and afterwards, I wouldn't understand that I just received some serious criticism. <laughs> I would be motivated to perform better at my job. All right, we got to get through this. Constantly be worried about being canceled. There are over 10 million open jobs today. The most in history, people. It's kind of a moment, which means prepare yourself for the understatement of the year that companies are flat out desperate to fill open spots and they need help finding the right people for their organization. So if you're a company that loves what America has traditionally been for, you know, freedom, and you are struggling to find good people, post some jobs already. Go to redballoon.work, do it, and you'll be surprised how many people are looking for employers just like you wow uh, okay no more no more oops no more yeah <laughs> man every once in a while i'm like how did idaho get so weird and then mr crap shoots or you know the lieutenant governor that's been in the news lately will come Bounding to the fold, through. And to the fold and be like, oh yeah that's right it's eleanor or uh, uh, idaho is like utah minus the kindness like there's bunker energy <laughs> You know, strong bunker energy, bunker energy, but without like the friendly neighbor, like I brought you a dessert energy. It's just hostility. No, no, no. It's a lot of uh, competing on who gets to put the shooting range in their backyard. You know, you know what I mean? It's just like, who's got the better range? There's a lot. I would be interested in learning about that, though. Like Miss, like the Miss Idaho pageant is really just a comparison between different like backyard gun ranges oh yeah or like 
the most advanced bunker. Well, the worst part about Idaho is they're actually trying to get bigger. There's some, yeah, there's good places in Idaho, not all Idahoans, but. Idaho is a beautiful state. It is, it is a physically beautiful state. But they're trying to make it bigger. Literally, there's a movement called the Greater Idaho Movement where they're trying to take chunks of Eastern Washington and chunks of Eastern Oregon and just make it bigger. Like if you could pick a single state of the union to make bigger, Idaho ain't on the list. I'm sorry. Mm -mm. New Mexico. I would take New Mexico and give it half of Arizona. (laughs) Why not? Okay, so who is posting jobs on Red Balloon? Um, well, a registered con- uh, someone is looking for a registered nurse for contract work. Uh, this is a company that employs people who work at nursing homes. So they say we're seeking seeking an RN for family owned and operated uh, since 1999. Skilled nursing homes were located in rural Wisconsin and. Uh, <gasps> Montana, I believe. Um, contract employee. This is what they're. So they don't really have a name. I think it's like uh, skilled nursing homes. Straight up nursing homes. You guys are looking for unvaccinated people. Like, hey, have you killed the elderly in a previous job because you refused the COVID vaccine? Did you know you were coughing all over eighty-year-olds? Come down and work at our skilled nursing home, Incorporated. Just like the worst people. There's a lot of jobs like that. There's like people, they want dancers. Um, Obviously, there's a lot of, uh, y'all know that my big gripe is with hairdressers right now. Uh, Just post on Red Balloon. Make Mr. Crapshoots happy. We gotta, we gotta move on. We have one more story before we get to our sitch. Let's do this. Um. Very important, interesting little slice of newsy. This was the week where California made it illegal to remove a condom during sex without consent in an all-too-common practice known as stealthing or the entire plot line to the unfunny misogynistic Apatow movie Knocked Up. I'm sorry. I hate that movie. I'm ne- Like, Catherine Hagel's a goddess. Never. Rogan, never, never. Um... <laughs> The law doesn't make it a criminal offense, obviously, but a civil one. Very interesting. So I want to read you more about the stealthing law. The bill amends the state's civil definition of sexual battery, making a stealthing, stealthing a civil offense and giving victims the grounds to sue their assailants for damages. And this is from the governor's office of California. Uh, Assemblywoman Garcia helped sign this bill. Uh, saying victims of stealthing will be able to take civil action against their perpetrators. By passing this bill, we are underlining the importance of consent. Now, a little bit more on stealthing. It seems like it's very common. A study published in the National Library of Medicine in 2019 reported that 12% of women say they had been a victim of stealthing. Another study found that 10% of men admitted to removing their condom during intercourse without their partner's consent. 10% admitted? How many mm. do you think actually do if only 10% admit, of men admit that? Uh, you know what, Francesca? And I, I realize that it's rich for a woman who is married to a woman to say this to a, or to a man, to say this to a woman who is engaged to a man. We're both, we're both partnered with the good ones, okay, right? Yes. So, <laughs> I was like, where are you going with this? What am at I missing? What point, at what point do young women just decide that having sex with men is just like not worth it? not 
not worth it. I think that this is a great, I think this is great. And actually assembly member Garcia is on the right side of a lot of issues. This session, she's gotten a few bills signed and they've all been really exciting and cool. Um, but you know, I, I, it's, it's exciting that California is doing this, but it's a shame that this isn't something that is illegal on a federal level. And it's a shame that it's not illegal in more states because it is an extreme violation of consent and body bodily autonomy. And it can expose yeah. people who have sex with men to diseases and uh, pregnancy. And it's it's awful. It's an awful practice. 10% of men admitting they do it yep. is I like rebuke that. Like that makes me so upset. I almost I feel like I'm going to black out. Well, there's something really it's also really disturbing because there is a, you know, in the movie Knocked Up once again, which I don't like, uh there is a line where he was like I thought you knew, like I thought you could feel. And that's sort of it's it's this like gray area because it's like, well, can't you you know, it can't you feel it and wouldn't you say something if you knew that it wasn't there, that kind of thing. Um and that's not always true. You guys, the birth canal doesn't have that many nerves because birds have to happen through it. You can't mm -hmm. always feel and you can't always tell. Um, it's and not designed to feel texture. It's mm -mm. designed like it can feel pressure, but it's not really a texture zone, you know? So like the <laughs> difference between... A texture zone, not a texture zone. <laughs> well, it is. Like there's not... There's not yeah, I mean, even, you know, I know that I'm kind of blowing up Trojan spot with the idea that there's somehow like ribbed for someone's enhanced. Nobody situation. can feel those things. You can't feel those things. You can't really tell. I mean, and also if sexual, a sexual encounter like occurs when people have been drinking or using marijuana, or if there's something that reduces sensation in any way, like you'd be even less likely to feel it. So totally. Ugh. I forgot that about knocked up. Although with I, forgot, I totally forgot that. When you do sex on weed, you really can feel everything. That's why it's good. Anyway, um I will also I'm just going to read a little bit more about this. So according to this bill stemmed from a Yale professor's study about stealthing. Um who and and uh, she writes, Mr. Broad, uh, Ms. Brodsky says that in contrast to criminal cases in which prosecutors bring charges in a jury and a jury can set a convicted person to prison, civil suit remedies were often more useful to victims. Quote, there are many survivors who do not want to see the person who hurt them in prison and could really use help covering medical debt or could you could use help having the resources to see a therapist, Ms. Brodsky said. So again, making this a civil offense is really, it, it, for me, it feels much more, um, like transformative or restorative justice seeking in ways where, you know, we know that a lot of rape victims um, know their perpetrator, know the perpetrator intimately, know mm -hmm. them well, uh, right? That it isn't a dude hiding behind the bushes or whatever it is. It's some, a friend, right? Mm -hmm. uh, and that you don't necessarily want, I mean, uh, not in all cases, but especially in a case like this, like not necessarily criminal charges, but yeah, some sort of you know, you should pay damages if I got pregnant, if we got, if I got an STI, um, just the sheer violation of doing that without my consent, there needs to be, th some people need to answer for that. Absolutely. Um, mm -hmm. and, and I feel like we don't really have a language, you know, for that, obviously rape is criminal. And up until now, I felt like we, a lot of folks considered removing a condom without consent as rape. And I was sort of always like, I, I get how it could be, but it's nice that we have language now um, for a fucking other crime, <laughs> like mm -hmm. some other. Yeah, crime. I mean, it's, 
in Sweden, it's rape. It counts as rape yeah. in Sweden. And like here having it count as sexual battery and being open to civil suits, I think makes a lot more sense for the reasons that you mentioned and for the reasons the article mentioned. I also think that it sort of defangs the the kind of whiny, like devil's advocate side of the argument. Like, why would you ruin ruin a man's life? Um, mm. This isn't ruining a man's life to ask them to pay for to help fix things that they caused by a violating decision that they made. So yeah. um, if it, it does seem to make a lot of sense. And I think and I hope that the law is uh, something that is applied in a way that helps people. Yeah, 100 percent. Want to know something else that was passed? And this is insane that this was part of the bill. Uh, the governor signed another bill sponsored by Ms. Garcia into law on Thursday, a measure that removes spousal exemption to the state's laws on rape. That's California. Again, it's the again, year 2021. When... What the fuck is going on there? There was an exemption if your spouse is the person who rapes you. Yeah. Uh, and there are, believe it or not, a lot of people in a lot of parts of the country that believe that that there is that to be married to someone as a woman implies just consent forever for whatever. And it's, uh, it's super fucked up. It's, it's extremely up. fucked up. Mm -mm. You've got to earn that consent. Even then, is it always enthusiastic? I don't know. Marriage is tough. <laughs> <laughs> uh, all right. Let us bring in. My other guest, I'm so excited. Uh, we are going to talk all about um, what what it's been like, what it is like in the last few decades, actually, to raise a family in the United States, what we need to do to change, uh, to make it easier to support parents, to support mothers, and also to support them in places of power. This is The Sitch. All right. And joining me for the sitch, uh, she is the founder of Moms in Office, uh, supporting uh, mothers, obviously, in places of power. And she's a single mom. And she, not only that, she was voted by a body that is still an enigma to me, but the best mom of the year 2020. Think about that. Think about how hard it is to win that award. Please, please welcome Simona Grace. Thank you so much for being here. Um, 2020 Mom of the Year. I'm honored. How did you do that and who did you pay to give you that title? <laughs> Thank you so much. I think my son would agree with you some days that I'm <laughs> definitely the most boring mom and nobody should have named me that. Uh, in 2020, I was honored uh, as California Mother of the Year by the American Mothers Association because of the work that I do to support and help elect moms and fight against this bias uh, that we all face as moms, but especially in politics. So that's yeah. what happened. Maybe they made a good choice. I don't know. Some days I question myself. <laughs> Dude, earning that in a pandemic is huge. But obviously, yes, it's because of your work. And I think that we're starting to see, you know, the, the idea of infrastructure in this country being expanded to not just roads and bridges, but really education, support for parents, childcare, paid family leave. So I want to get into all that. But first off, like, why did you... I mean, we can talk about the organization later, but but what have you, you know, since having your kid, being a single mom, being here in the U.S., um, 
is it has it just gotten harder to raise a family in this country or are we just older and like of the age where you would have a kid and we're looking back going like how the fuck did my mom ever do this like that's you know what i mean is it gotten worse it feels like it has actually gotten worse yes you're absolutely right it's really hard to be a parent in this country and let me tell you it should not be this hard and it should not be this hard because we need an american government who does not make it harder for us, but actually makes it easier for us. And I'm so tired of hearing this phrase that it takes a village to raise a child. You know mm. what? It doesn't actually take a village to raise a child because we do not live in villages. We live in the only developed nation in the world without paid family leave, right? We live in the only country in the world where we are paying more for childcare than we're paying for housing. So no, it does not take a village to raise a child. It takes an American government who would finally prioritize our needs as women and working moms versus mm -hmm. prioritizing corporations and their friends. So you know that's my really upset answer here as a single mom who has gone through this is, you know what, let's don't blame ourselves that we're failing as mothers because I used to do that to myself. I used to think that as a single mom, I'm failing here because I'm not giving my son the white picket fence and everything is so hard. Uh, but then I realized, you know what, I didn't fail my child. It's leaders of the American government who failed me by not prioritizing my needs. And I think every woman in this country needs to understand that, that, you know, this is up to our government to finally give us that social safety net that we long deserved. Yeah. Yeah, it is. It has been so you know, nuclearized. Like it, I mean, I, I, yeah, we don't live in villages. I guess I wish we did, but it's, you know, raising a kid is sort of, it, it is the utmost and extreme version. I think even liberals and, and some progressives can buy into the idea. Mm -hmm. Well, 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 that your kids on you, you know, that's it. Like it is just on you and there's nothing else anyone could do to make that at all easier, you know, and to raise, you know, kids who are like happy to be alive, <laughs> <laughs> um, who who wanna who wanna be around? Um, and and there, there's been a lot that has been written recently, especially because of all the um, uh, of the Build Back Better Act. You know, in terms of comparing our country with other countries. But let's talk about you know, Aaron, you're about to have a kid. Um, we, we you know maternity leave. How important maternity leave is? And I want to bring up this. Um, this is from Miss, and I don't know where they grabbed it from, but uh, this is a weeks of maternity leave a list of countries and you sort of see somehow Estonia's out in front, Hungary's up there, Lithuania and the United States. There's a, there's about 35 countries on this list at the dead last. Um, other countries ahead of us, Japan, Finland, Germany, Norway, Czech Republic, Mexico's ahead of us in terms of paid, uh, uh paid leave. Um, there is now a plan, obviously, in this Build Back Better Act to give, uh, I think, up to 12 weeks of paid leave for parents. What does that mean? How is that how does how is that vital to economic justice? And what does that mean for also child rearing? It is vital because women need to keep their jobs and they need to be able to return to work. And, you know, my son just got a puppy actually two weeks ago. So I'm a single mom of one child and a dog child now. And I actually <laughs> called um, the place where I was picking up the puppy on a Sunday to say, see if I could pick the puppy up on Sunday instead of Monday. And it wouldn't allow me to do that. This was two weeks ago. So, and you know why they wouldn't allow me to do that? Because in 25 states in this country, 
It's illegal to separate a puppy from its mother before eight weeks of age. But one in four women in this country return to work within two weeks of giving birth. Not by choice, by necessity. Because most women cannot welcome a new family member and have a new child to feed without pay. And yes. in many, many workers, 113 million workers in this country are not even covered under FMLA, which would have offered them job protection and 12 weeks of unpaid leave. So it's idiotic to think that this is how you're treating women. This is the reality. I'm not, I wish I could make up these facts, but I, I am not making up these facts. So what is this saying? How are we treating women in this country? So the Build Back Better plan uh, does offer 12 weeks of paid leave if we would finally agree that this is something that women need. And, you know, the sad part of this is everybody across the aisle, Republicans and Democrats, everybody outside of Congress agrees that this is something that we need. Voters Mm -hmm. agree, regardless of party, but within the holes of Congress, we're still fighting over this. You still can't agree on allowing parents to stay home with their children or with a sick family member. So paid family leave wouldn't just um, allow mothers to stay home with a newborn, but it would also allow someone to take care of a sick family member. And, you know, let's face it, at one point in our lives, we have to stay home to take care of someone. And until we pass paid leave and allow women and other family members to stay home, we are putting American workers in a position to pick between a paycheck or a sick family member or taking care of a child. That's just not morally correct. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I have a question. Um, We hear we've heard a lot in the debate around Build Back Better how much the plan will cost. I, the media is obsessed with 3.5 trillion or 1.5 trillion or 2.1 trillion or whatever. How much would it cost for us not to provide for paid leave for people that need to take care of a newborn or a, a sick family member? Do we have those numbers? And do you think it's a failure of messaging that those aren't more widely known? It would cost, it is already costing us because we're not going to have a healthy economy unless everybody uh, can go to work. And half of our population or more than half of our population are women. And they are constrained based on the fact that when they have a a child, when they have to take sick leave to take a child to a doctor, they will lose their job. So it's costing us billions of dollars. There are figures on on that, how many billions of dollars we're losing each year based on the fact that we do not have a healthy workforce. We used to be, 30 years ago, we used to be number six. When you take a look at uh, women's labor force participation rates, Mm. now we're back to number 36. So the United States in the past 20 years, when it comes to women and the economy, has gone backwards. And, you know, the one thing about paid leave that's very important, it is not just women and families who would benefit from that. And I think that's a great point that you're bringing up here. Our entire economy would be healthier. Our GDP would be much uh, higher if we had a healthier workforce. We just can't rely on only half of our population in order to build a, a healthy workforce. We need to include women in that. Yeah, I mean, I've I've said this before. It's like in in what for all the conservatives who are excited that women are being forced out of the workforce to raise kids because literally nobody else will. Uh, like how the, how do you ha- expect people to survive 
How do you, you know, mm-hmm. how is the economy somehow so good that you can survive on one income? You can't. Or no income if you're a single mom, right? Okay. Like you can't, there's, there's mm-hmm. no way. So, and you talk about the politics behind this, especially around Build Back Better. Joe Manchin is essentially saying this. He is holding the entire country hostage mm-hmm. uh, by saying that you have to pick either it's paid leave, child tax credits, or uh, universal child care. So this is from Axios not so long ago. He said, uh, Joe Manchin is telling colleagues that progressives need to pick just one of Biden's three signature policies for helping working families and disregard the other two uh, people familiar with the matter, tell Axios. Um, by forcing progressives to choose among an expanding child tax credit, paid family medical leave, or subsidies for child care, Manchin is complicating any potential deal, but also signaling his willingness to negotiate. I don't know about that last part, Axios, but that was cute. Um, AOC responded, of course, to this saying, Ah, yes, the conservative Dem position. You can either feed your kid, recover from your C-section, or have childcare so you can go to work. But not all three. All three makes you entitled and lazy. But fossil fuel money, keep the pharma prices high, and not taxing Wall Street are, quote, non-negotiable. So this is the thing that with capitalism, right? It is, you know, you, you make, you basically privatize all the loss, right? But you make... Uh, I can't remember the saying, fuck it. But basically like you, you're, you're relying on the workforce, right? You want a healthy workforce. You make tons and tons of profit. And then any kind of, you know, oh, you need healthcare, you need family care, your parent, your parents or your husband are sick. No, no, no. You take care of that all by yourself. And then we're seeing that as sort of the social safety net's been chipped away at. Mm-hmm. Yes. I mean, you know, I wanted to oh, go sorry. I, I just wanted to jump in real quick, but there's also been a conservative and centrist freak out about a drop in birth rates. And it's sort of like, what do people expect? Like yeah. people are delaying childcare and or childbirth if they are going to have kids at all until much later in life. So they're having fewer children. And part of that isn't I have no problem with people choosing not to have children because that's what they want. But it really seems like the system is making the decision for people. And a lot of people are waiting so long that it's hard for them to conceive without the help of IVF or other medical intervention. Right. I wonder like what your thoughts are, Simona, on how this kind of fits into the whole idea of giving people more of a choice in how they form their families. You're absolutely right. You're spot on on this and AOC is spot on on this. It should be your choice to have a child, right? Whether we're talking about economic justice or reproductive justice, this is about, Joe Manchin called this, he calls uh, these programs entitlement. He's uh, afraid that we're going to uh, create an entitlement society. But you know, I call this basic dignity. Let's give dignity to women to make sure that they can make these choices for themselves. Let's make sure that we can take care of children. And let's um, not make having a family a leading cause of poverty in this country, because Mm. it is. As it stands, having a child is a leading cause of poverty. And it's also the best indicator that at one point in your life, you're going to be filing for bankruptcy. And this is an issue. These family policies are issues where Democrats and Republicans on both sides of the aisle could actually come together because providing childcare, for example, free childcare would be one of the most effective anti-poverty measures that we could institute in the United States. And that's a progressive issue. It is also the best way to reduce abortion rates. Okay, Mm. so uh, I mean, the data is there, but they keep fighting because uh, 
they are making this about partisanship and not about American families. Yes. Yes. I mean, and that's so interesting. Like, you know, I feel like uh, someone who gets lost often in in the like anti-choice you know, bullshit line is, is mothers, is mothers who are already have kids who cannot afford to have more children unless, you know, there are more support. There's more support for parents. You want, you know, you want more kids. You want people to just keep their babies. Well then support them when they, if they, and help their choice, like support their choices. Um, I want to talk about childcare. Okay. So I just read that we're, we're again, horribly last when it comes to the most expensive childcare in the world. On average for a two-year-old, childcare is $1,100 a month. Does that include like a live action Disney princess who like, you know, comes to your door? Like, what does that include? Oh my God, how is it that expensive? And, and also it's incredibly competitive to even get your kid into childcare. Um, so what would that mean if we had like universal universal child care, two years, no matter what your income. So let's hope that Erin is on a waiting list for a child care <laughs> program, or she has figured it out because it might be until Seriously. your future child will be in kindergarten that you actually hear back from a daycare facility that there's a spot for your child. So, uh, you know, child care in this country should be a public good. And I'm, I, that's the only thing I can say about this. It's as it is right now, it's a complete market failure. And mm. what I mean by that is the fact that families can't afford childcare. The $1,100 figure that you quoted, uh, I think it must be somewhere in the middle of the country because I was paying $1,000 a month 10 years ago when my son was in preschool. He's 11 now in Los Angeles. Actually, uh, American families are paying more for childcare than they are paying for housing. Uh, in California, they're paying more than in-state tuition. Uh, so families can't afford to pay for childcare. It's more than your mortgage. Childcare providers at the same time are earning poverty wages. They can't afford to feed their own kids at home by they taking care of the children of other families. Right. And children are not receiving quality care. And it seems to be always the last in this discussion. Children are always the last that they're not receiving quality care. So this is a completely broken system that we can't save. We need a complete overhaul. And we're not going to achieve that without a significant investment by our federal government uh, into childcare. So $1,100, Francesca, I don't think that in California you can even find that. And yeah, if, yeah, child, yeah. If that's even a, a low figure. Just during COVID last year, the cost of childcare increased over 47% on sure. average. In the last mm -hmm. 20 years, childcare went up over 200%, twice the rate of inflation and a higher increase than any good. I mean, I could keep throwing out these figures to convince people that this is not working. Uh, but, you know, the likes of Joe Manchin need to realize, especially Joe Manchin, and he's living in a state uh, with one of the highest poverty rates. Mm -hmm. uh, the families mm -hmm. living in West Virginia and the families living all across America could benefit from that because, quite honestly, people are going into debt just to be paying for their bills, basic bills such as child care, medical care for their kids today. Mm -hmm. it's, it's no longer possible to afford this for middle class families. Right. And two years mm -hmm. is nothing, right? If it was universal for two years, but it, it is absolutely nothing. But even like my heart kind of skips a beat. I'm just like, but it would be 
it would mean a lot. It wouldn't just mean a lot for families, for children mm -hmm. themselves, but also the idea that we could create a new program to mm -hmm. take care. You know, we have Medicare taking care of the elderly. We do have Medicaid for people who are, you know, and both of those things need to be vastly improved. I mean, it's been long overdue. We've talked about that. But like, you know, what about children and having some mm -hmm. social safety net for them uh, and Republicans know, I mean, Manchin knows too, that y y once you go forward on that, you're never taking it back because what it would do, uh, how it would revolutionize uh, even just families, young families, young professionals, people getting a start, you know, in, in their careers, starting a business, whatever it is, like that would really, really transform their lives. And you're going to see the economy do better too. I mean, it's just, it makes no sense um, that we wouldn't have something like that. No, and we're talking about over 10 years. If we pass this bill now, we're not going to see this fully implemented in 10 years. So time is of the essence. The Democrats need mm -hmm. to get it together and they need to pass this now. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I do just want to say that, I mean, we need to all take a hard ass look at what's going on right now. We talked earlier about women in the workforce leaving the workforce. There was a Bureau of Labor Statistics just came out um, in September, more than 300,000 women left the workforce. Um, and a lot of that obviously is attributed to the cost of having a family, the cost of childcare, the fact that it is cheaper for families to just, okay, well, I'm going to be the sole caretaker because we can't afford childcare. It's way too expensive. Um, mm -hmm. and, the, and there aren't enough incentives. I mean, it's like, if we think teachers are underpaid, think about, you know, ch you know, early childcare, like what is the incentive? The wages are bad. Yeah. You need, you need some support here. Um, it just it seems like people right now we're at a moment where people are like ev the, America is not entitled to the free labor of women forever yeah. until women completely run out of energy. And then there's like an older generation that's like, no, actually, we are entitled to the free labor of women, mothers who stay home with their children and then caretakers who probably also have children who are also women, nurses, teachers like there is such a massive amount of entitlement to the labor of women and now that people who are in or people working in feminized jobs and now that yeah. those people are asking to actually be compensated in a way that allows them to live it's all blowing up um oh no we can't find the money for that now no no and but you got to and you because there's no there's no more to you give. know what you guys should just call yourselves instead of mothers small business owners <laughs> just your business owners <laughs> you set up a I franchise mean, of your life and you need a loan. Exactly. Exactly. Yes. I have one employee right now. <laughs> and you know what? Our voices are not even at the table. Erin, back to your point of the generation that uh, believes that this is an entitlement and the other generation is fed up of the free labor. Our voices are not even at the table. And that's a huge problem. A lot of people ask me, how come nothing ever changes? It's because those people who benefit from the injustice have the power to change it like yes. Joe Manchin, and they will not do it. So we need to elect more women, more younger people, more mothers, so we can actually prioritize these needs of other working families. Because trust me, Joe Manchin is not going to change his tune. He's just going to keep prioritizing his friends and not working mothers or single moms or families in poverty in his state. Tell me more about that, Simona, and, and tell me about Moms in Office and what you, what you guys are working toward. And yeah, why is it important to have more more parents, more mothers uh, in, in elected office. 
motherhood right now, and I think for a long time, has been the greatest gender bias when it comes to politics. And this is not only affecting mothers who are having a hard time getting elected, who are raising children. It's also affecting young women uh, who maybe want to have a child later on because they're told to wait to run for office until they are done having babies. Uh, if you take a look yeah, at until the they're average... done with their periods altogether, just like if you're, you know, postmenopausal, yeah. that's when your political career can start if you're a woman and you're still alive. Exactly. I was talking <laughs> to somebody on the phone the other day during an endorsement interview, and she said to me, I went to law school. So when I'm 70, I could run for Congress because <laughs> that's what happens to women. The average age of a member of Congress is 47. The average age of a female member of Congress is 64. You know, wow. women are kept out of power. They kept out of Congress and also local and state offices. So the work that I do with Moms in Office is to affect that change and make sure that we can elect more moms and more women and that we fight this bias that is so outdated. Uh, I can't believe that we're fighting this in 2021, but we are. Uh, yeah. and, and we have to change our representation if we want to say, see a uh, change in our government. How do you make political office more accessible to moms? Well, first of all, if we have a larger representation of women in office, I think more women will be inclined to run for office. So that's a number one uh, change that we could do. I have uh, seen other countries who implemented mandates, gender mandates. That's not something that we could do in the United States because it would be struck down by the Supreme Court. But you know what? That's nothing. There is nothing that's holding the Democratic Party has nothing. Uh, that's holding them back to institute a gender mandate. They could mm. do it. They are not doing it. Our political parties could do it. They are not doing that. So mm. there's so much that we could do, uh, but I don't see that change happening. The one thing that I'm positive about is a lot more small dollar donations from average folks across the country who are going toward women who could be change agents because our establishment is not doing anything about it. Sure. Yeah, I'm sure there's DNC operatives who are like, yeah, yeah, you're too young to run. Wait, yeah, wait till you, on the day of your last menstruation. I'm sorry, I'm obsessed with that now. <laughs> <laughs> wait until you're done having babies. They are actually told that. I'm quoting. I'm quoting. Yes. Oh, I bet. Of course. Of course. Um, Simona Grace, thank you so much for all of that. And everybody, please follow Simona and her work uh, with Moms in Office. Um Momsinoffice.org is where you can get up on that um, and find out about candidates that, that they're supporting and, and the work that they're up to. But we got one more segment and then I'm going to go to comments and then we got a bonus bish and you're going to become a patron. And it's all going to be amazing. We got a final segment. Obviously this week, uh, you know, there was a trending tweet. Twitter trend. God, I sound old and also on vacation. Um, uh, all around Twitter, people were posting red flags. What is your red flag? And uh, a lot of people uh, had many exciting answers. This is a terrible intro. But this is, this is what is your red flag tweet on our final segment. Oh, man. Someone's around the internet that I really loved in terms of people posting their red flags. Uh, Rashida Tlaib, Congresswoman. Um, 
posted, <laughs> I'm fiscally conservative, socially liberal, red flag, red flag, totally, 100%. Uh, every time someone says that, I'm like, what the fuck do you even, what, what is that? What do you even mean? <laughs> what, what, like, your republicanism is dead. Uh, Dolly Parton writing, when her beauty is beyond compare with flaming locks of auburn hair, red flag, red flag, red flag, obviously, uh, what's that song? Jo- Jolene? I was going to say Joanne, mm-hmm. don't kill me. Um, all right. <laughs> what are your red flags? I'm going to put mine right here. The veggie burrito comes with lettuce. Red flag, red flag. Veggie burritos with lettuce suck. Don't put soggy ass lettuce on my nice warm bean cheese burrito. Please, lettuce is in salad. Uh, it doesn't feel as good with it on. Red flag, red flag, red flag. We were talking about that earlier. And then finally, uh, I mean, Bezos isn't doing anything illegal. Uh, <laughs> I hear that one a lot. Like people who are trying to justify Amazon. Like, I mean, well, what he's doing, I mean, he's technically legal. Like if it were, he wouldn't be doing it if it were illegal. Like, no, just the point. Everything's broken in this country. <laughs> Uh, those are my red flags. Aaron, what are your red flags? Ooh, you know what? One of my biggest red flags is when someone says they love all music except country and rap. It's like, just <laughs> say you don't like to hear from poor people, you know, because I don't love modern country. I don't love bro country. I don't love dusty hat in a $60,000 truck country. But if you're talking about old country, like Johnny Cash and Loretta Lynn and Dolly Parton, and you're talking about, you know, Tammy Wynette and you're, go- you know, all of that stuff is like, a story told about people that are going through experiences that are not privileged experiences. Right, right, right. Same deal. So if you don't like country and rap, I don't, I don't want to hear from you. Um, I think not liking rap by itself says you don't want to hear from poor people and you're, you might be a little racist, Uh, but I don't like country and rap to me isn't a a holistic, bad picture. Right. And if you don't like old town road, we should just shoot you into space, pretty much. Yeah, get out of here. Lil yeah. Nas X is the national treasure. Yeah. Oh, I like that. Yeah, the the I don't like music is generally like, what do you, what does that even mean? Right, right. Some it's people like, are. Oh, like all music? You're saying you like all music, but con- so you listen to doom metal? You like drum and bass? <laughs> like you don't like all music. You like you dubstep? Say- Really? Yeah. Really? When you're not on drugs, do you like dubstep? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Simona, what are, what's your red flag? I would have to agree with Rashida Tlaib, uh, fiscally conservative and socially liberal. I mean, uh, do you like equality, but you don't like paying for it? it, it I, I, that gets me every time. And somebody once said that to me in a date. And let me tell you, everything went downhill from there. So... <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a major red flag. And then Joe Manchin's entitlement claims that, you know, giving women equality uh, is going to create an entitlement society. That just gets me. Uh, I can't take that. Like, well, no, you even, no way. You even hear that from Democrats. Remember Pete Buttigieg yeah. in the 2020 election was like, well, we can't give, you know, the wealthy universal child care because, uh, you know, they can pay for it. What like can you just implode that for me one second like what's wrong with that idea because a lot of people buy into it but like oh yeah i guess wealthy people shouldn't have universal child care because they can already pay for it you know also what is wealthy it's different from place to place and like joe manchin coming out and saying there should be a sixty thousand dollar cap on eligibility for the extended child tax credit is like okay what do you mean sixty thousand dollars in west virginia or sixty thousand dollars 
in Brooklyn yeah. because those are two very different things. And to cap it at $60,000 and not have there be any cost of living, like to cap it period is stupid, but to cap it without cost of living adjustments based on where it's being capped is idiotic. Yeah. Just totally idiotic. Yes, I completely agree with you. I mean, this is uh, because women need childcare in this country to go to work and not men, right? It's a necessity for women to have childcare to get to work, but not for men. And if it would not be the case, we would not be debating this. Mm -hmm. And Joe Manchin just lives on a boat. So he, if he were taking care of kids, he could just put them on the lower deck. Well, he just sailed on to work, you know, in his his party yacht or whatever. Yeah, yeah. yeah he'd have them just in a, in a sort of floaty cage next to them i imagine that uh, <laughs> row harder uh thank you guys both so much for being here simona everybody follow simona grace on twitter uh once again momsinoffice.org and uh anything to plug anything you want to tell the good people I would like to say go to momsinoffice.org and click that donate button. Even if you have a dollar, it trust me, it will help women who are fighting for these policies that we discussed today. It will help us get the likes of Joe Manchin out of office and finally build the social safety net in this country that everyone deserves. So please do that and follow Absolutely. me. <laughs> Absolutely. And follow Simona at Simona Grace. All right. Take very good care, Simona. And a couple more comments before we, I say goodbye to Aaron. People are saying their red flags are I'm a libertarian uh, and Fight Club is my favorite movie. Yeah, how did Fight Club? Fight Club doesn't have to be a right wing thing. No, and I don't think it should be. I think it's a good movie that a lot of, you know, like Emily Nussbaum, the New Yorker culture TV critic. She talks about bad fans. I think Fight Club suffers from bad fans. Totally. Totally. Like, it's not a bad movie, but the fans. Right. The fan. Yeah. It's like weed. Like, weed is good, but the people who are too into weed, not good. Um, right. Weird. Uh, and let's see. <laughs> I'm not racist, but obviously that's a red flag. I like knives. Red flag. Uh, what could possibly mm. go wrong? That's a clear red flag. Uh, and thank you all so much i'm gonna be continuing to read your comments but let me actually let me just uh let me just read them over here this is from a while ago back earlier in the show nitsuj newbie says 99 luft balloons yes Luft yes. is not red it. it sounds like it does luft mean red i don't know i don't speak german damn it i know does it mean taupe doesn't mean taupe <laughs> Definitely, Luft doesn't mean taupe balloons. Uh, the two colors, red and taupe, those are the only colors. Those are the only, I mean, that's the, all, all the colors he sees. He's a dog, mostly. Uh, <laughs> sweets to the sweet on Twitch. Can I tie a massive red balloon to this dipshit and make him fly away? Mm hmm. Yeah. He's a, that's how he's going to die. It's like, oh, founder of Red Balloon tied one too many balloons. Well, it's like with the Segway guy. What happened with the Segway guy? The guy that invented the Segway died because he went off a cliff on a Segway. <laughs> that's true. That's poetic justice. Yeah. That's really, mwah. that's your life is poetry. Uh, well, hoisted by your own petard, I believe. <laughs> Indeed, Google's petard. Uh, stealthing, on stealthing, Joe47771 on YouTube says there should be a law about stealthing when your sex partner tells you they are vaccinated when they are not. Wow. That's also a good one. I mean, the same, yeah. Yeah, the same things with like STI stats and all that. 
for the Sitch Omega Shenron Dragon, uh, my mom had to quit working until my brother was six because childcare was a crapshoot. Nice use of crapshoot. And yes, that, that mm-hmm. happens a lot, Omega. Melanie Dennis on YouTube. It's true. My daughter had to go back to work weeks after she gave birth. Yeah. My mom, too, was like, I was like, hey, mom, did you breastfeed me a lot? And she was like, well, I was back at work in 10 days. And I was like, so I'll take that as a no. <laughs> it's just like, but we've made you this closet in which you can breastfeed in. And that is progress. Um, Ugh. Yeah, that's it's it's bad. It's bad out there. It's better now than it was then, but it's still really, really bad. Oh yeah, that closet was like yeah. That men wanted a closet, lot I mean, of cookies after that closet came around. Yeah, she's lucky they didn't make her go in the bathroom because prior to like lactation room laws, a lot of like mothers who were breastfeeding had to pump in bathrooms, which is gross. Would you prepare your baby's like food in a bathroom? Like, ew. No, give you change their diapers in the bathroom on the koala care. Yes. Thing. That's for output. That's not for input. Exactly. You know? Yes. And uh, little Mac McG, uh, public childcare is what needs to happen. 100% agreed. Um, and thank you guys for your comments. Thanks for all the super chats. Aaron Ryan, where can people find your wonderful work? Oh, geez. Well, AaronGloriaRyan.Bulletin.com is where my newsletter is yep. about like pregnancy, motherhood, stuff like that. Uh, also, Hysteria comes out every Thursday. I have been I'm planning on doing it up until I give birth because it is not <laughs> physically difficult. Um, but after that, we have some great sub hosts that are going to be coming in. And then I'm going to be back and the, the podcast is going to be back. And Francesca is probably going to be back on that pod. She's been great Hope so. a few times she's been on and we want to have her back again. So you can find me all over the place. Hell yeah. All right, everybody. Um, Aaron, I will see you in the post. The bonus bish, the post show, we're talking about AT&T sponsoring OAN. Oh, my God. Wasn't that fun? One America News Network, the new Fox. Yeah. AT&T did that. I want Aaron's take. I'll give you mine. I'll give you the details on that story. Uh, that is for all the patrons. Patreon.com slash Bishuation Room is where you can get access to that for your ears, for your eyes, for your taste buds. I don't think you can taste it, but you it would taste good if you could. Um and with that and all the things that have that we've covered, I want to outro this stream with the fart song. Thank you to all the patrons. The new patrons at 10 bucks or more, Marilena C, Kyler A, Big Tippers, Karen K, Jace, uh, Joseph L, David H. For the Twitch subs, tell me what to put. Daisy Dragon, Thunderous Dragon, Daniel McConkey, What Mutt, Sammy Lynn Kine, the Kind Dragon, Dean Aboyer, Subscribe. Thank you guys so much for subscribing. Sub S dub. Oh my God. 2010. Pagan communist. Chris Hutch 33. Trans vampire. Car uh, Carmilla. I hate these names. I love these names. Frank. Frank H. Sir. Ladybug dragon. Aussie plan. The hermit. The hermit. Hippie spot. Ghost of Oler. Lizzie Nepon. B1. B1. Illy Joe Ray. And Buckle Butt. And thank you for the super chats. Trista LaCour. Omega Shenron Dragon. You guys, we'll see you in the bonus, bitch. Uh, make sure to, uh, you know, love one another. Hug one another. Thank you to Ellie Hoffman and to Becca Rufer, to Maximilian Inhoff, and to Alexandra Ornes for this show. Uh, and I will see you next week. I have a huge announcement Wednesday, 1 p.m. on Twitch. You got to be around. Maybe on TYT. Maybe there's a new show. Maybe it's starring me. Love y'all.
fuck the patriarchy, fight the power, and don't just bitch about it, be about it.